Welcome back to another episode of D&D Unprepared DMs. Uh, I'm one-third of your host, Robert Dennis, a.k.a. Alpha Nova. I'm Richie, a.k.a. Solar Spartan 88. And we're joined here with our third and newest host, Bruh. He's unable to speak right now due to him being in school, but he's here with us. He's here with us here. Uh, we are joined today with D&D Demonetized. You may know him from TikTok. He has such a uh, big following. And today we're going to be interviewing him. So let's pull him in. Join in, join in. Hey! <clears throat> All right, Hello? Hello? All right, yes. Hey. We are joined today with D&D Demonetized, as I said before. You may know him on TikTok. He posts some great content. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are y'all? I'm doing well. Uh, our, our newest host to this, bro, he's, he, he only types, so I'll be reading back his questions to you. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I found you on TikTok, I want to say, at least three to maybe four months ago. And it seems, to me at least, that you and I are kind of Similar in styles of DM where we focus on storytelling. We're more focused on storytelling rather than combat. Uh, yeah. So with with your experience as DM, and, uh, where do you kind of get your uh, inspiration for storytelling? Oh, gosh. Inspiration from storytelling. That's, that's an interesting question. Mostly for me, I think that it comes from just mostly my friends. A lot of my friends are very creative. I would I was raised in kind of a theater background. So I will just take ideas from them and take ideas from movies and just rip off, riff off of that. <laughs> I, I've ripped off countless TV shows and movies so far, at least. So I'm right there with you. Most of my campaigns are just the plot hook of an 80s B movie. And I will just run with that every time. I love time. it. I love it. <laughs> Uh, so with storytelling and building these worlds, is there anything that like does religion play a big part into your campaigns or does uh, politics play a big part? Um, it depends on what you mean by politics. I tend to avoid uh, modern politics, if that's what you mean. But a lot of my campaigns are political intrigue and uh, social platforms. But I am trying to, I'm trying to learn as a DM and kind of branch off of what I'm comfortable with recently so it's more um i would say religious and kind of the cultural aspect that i'm trying to get more into when it comes to dming absolutely absolutely so nice. at least with my campaign like religion hasn't played a big part yet so i always ask other dms how they incorporate religion just so i'm like hey maybe, maybe one day uh, maybe i'll do this <laughs> okay yeah no, religion religion's super fun to play with because at least for me, I grew up in a very religious, religiously diverse family. Um, so I was able to experience a lot as a kid. And I just kind of take that experience and put it into my games. And I think I think I've got some good feedback so far. So absolutely. Uh so Bra asked, how do you describe the mood of a setting when a player enters like a new building or they just started? Uh, or maybe something has just happened in a public place. How would you describe the setting, the mood of the setting? So let me mood setting. So for me, I like to do the three senses, the three sense rule, I guess you could say. So 
usually it's sight, sound, and then uh, smell sometimes, usually not taste, of course. Um, but I would usually, I would usually rock with that. So just trying to give players a really good idea of what they're going into and not just like physical, but also the mood of what they're going in. That's, that's awesome. Uh, Is there like a, in your experience so far, is there a favorite non-combat encounter that you've had? A favorite non-combat encounter? Uh, the campaign that I'm running currently is actually, well, it, the previous module of the campaign that I'm running was pretty much exactly that. So uh, currently my, I have a party of four clerics and they went into a vampire crypt that was about eight stories, um, like eight levels. And they knew going into it that they probably weren't getting a long rest. So they decided to do the entire thing as a social encounter rather than trying to do combat. And I would have to say, I guess a funny one would be when my party decided to play hide and seek with a vampire (laughs) instead of uh, trying to fight him. And they ended up succeeding and just getting him lost in his own crypt, which was a lot of fun. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I, I'm a big vampire guy, so I, I love that a lot. Yeah, my my party tends to get creative, uh, sometimes hair-pullingly creative, but as a DM, uh, I love it. I love it every time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when it comes down to actually in combat, how do you like to play it out? Do you go like really in-depth into detail about the battle? Like, what do you like to do when it comes to combat? So if you asked me this question a year or two ago, I probably would have given a completely different answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to run my combat like an action movie, essentially. Uh, okay. I didn't really use stat blocks. I wasn't, again, I, I was doing it more as a, I really learned how to DM properly rather recently. Um so it didn't, it didn't matter. Like the, the stuff on the paper didn't matter as much to me as the story that was going on. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, in my head, as long as everybody's having a good time and having fun, it, it doesn't matter what's on my sheet. Um, again, as long as everybody's having a good time doing it. But recently I've been trying to get more into, you know, more into running with stat blocks and more into being a proper, in, in quotes, DM, I guess you could say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I still I still like to give everybody their moment, I guess you could say, you know, having the you know, having their chance to get their story played even through combat. Yeah. Okay. That, that's that's the beauty of um combat at least is that like every DM does it differently. I, I typically mm-hmm. don't like when it's like there's a 17 hit, okay, next. I, I feel like if you go like that, mm-hmm. combat can be very boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But uh, also combat is such a big thing to D&D. Mm-hmm. So I, I look for ways to spice it up and, and try to give everyone, like you said, their moments to shine and the story that we're trying to tell. Ugh. So with going back to being a storyteller with combat, uh, is there like a specific, like if the player gets the last hit and the HP drops down to zero, do you do like, do you go into detail about how they 
were able to kill this player or uh, player um, NPC? So that depends on it depends on who's doing the final attack, and it depends. It really depends on the situation because I will either say if it's not like an integral um, NPC or an integral enemy, I will say, "How do you want to do this?" or "How do you want to kill it?" Um, because I love I love giving that moment to players because I think that it allows them to identify and relate to their character more. It allows them to add that personality to it. But if it if it's a integral NPC that they're killing, or you know the the boss, uh, you know the the Vrock gets their last hit point taken down, I will I will describe the situation that's going on for my players rather than them describing it for me. I think that that gives kind of if it's like a chapter ending moment in a campaign, I will describe it. Absolutely, and that's actually such a good way to like get your players to be more involved is by letting them just. Dis- giving them that option to describe how they've done it. And I, I actually really like that. Um, when you tackle... Um, uh, uh, Bro actually asked another question. When a player makes an action, what's your guideline for describing what they do? Do you, do you extend basically the action they took, or do you make something on the spot, or do you have a different way of doing such actions? For example, maybe someone interacts with an important object, or someone slashes at the enemy with a sword. And do you change how it describes they roll a nat 20? I okay. Uh, that is a multi-part question. Um, <laughs> I I definitely change how uh, I describe something if they roll a nat twenty. Um, so if it's a nat twenty, I will obviously kind of flare it up a little bit more than if it's just a normal attack, because obviously a nat twenty does a little bit more um, to an enemy if they are attacking. But when a player makes an action, what's your guideline for describing what they do? So if it's if it's regular combat that's happening, each of I like to take the character, you know, the player characters kind of, I guess, mood and mentality into my description. So like I have if I have a character that's a lot more uh, stubborn and heavy set, I will um, have their attacks be more you know, obviously visceral and more drawn out, but if they're a uh, rogue that's a lot more dexterous, I will I will describe that in a way that makes more sense. Um, that just comes with time and practice. <laughs> Absolutely. And inter- interacting with objects, that I do all of the time. I love destructive <laughs> terrain. <laughs> that, that's... Yeah. I haven't done so much of... Um going into detail about how they interact with objects. So I like that you pretty much uh, normalize that. Um, mm-hmm. When when it comes down to like building up your world, like you said, you um, take stuff from 90s, uh, 80s or 90s B-movies, which is awesome. But um, give me a time where like uh, when you were world building that you came up with something completely that was not based off of a movie was it something like a, a uh, church or a um or a whole city Ooh, that's that's a tough one because most <laughs> you know the the idea of having something that's completely original i it's think is yeah um because i think i think that everybody has that 
that aha moment where they're like, oh, this is original, this is new. And then you, three months down the line, you're like, oh, someone's already done this. <laughs> um, you know, but for me, I, I ran, I thought that I was the first person to do this. I was not. I ran a whole campaign inside of a pocket dimension, which was fun. But apparently that's already been done many times. <laughs> I I'm thought it was honest, so original. I've never even heard of that until now. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Yeah, that was that was fun. They thought they were stuck in a in another dimension, which they were technically, but they were just right outside of their home. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's 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 pretty funny to be honest. Were they like inside like a bag of holding? It was it was a locket, but uh, pretty much yeah. Oh, that's awesome! I like that a lot. <laughs> Literally in the ditch outside of their out of their family home, and they're like, "Are you kidding me? Really?" <laughs> that's 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 actually pretty funny. I liked it a lot. Three month can three month campaign, and they were just kind of stuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like I actually really do like that a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, Richard, were you trying to say something? No, no, no. You, oh, okay, you can okay. see what you're saying. No, no, that's right. The little Zoom thing that like, went over to your name real quick. I was like, okay. Um, oh, geez. So uh, we talked about your favorite non-combat encounter. What has been your favorite combat encounter? Oh, my favorite combat encounter. Okay, uh, I think I have this one. When I was finishing up my, I think my two my two year campaign, I ran I ran a campaign over co- well I ran a campaign into co- over COVID. I call it my two year campaign. It wasn't really a two year campaign. It was more like one year, but COVID. <laughs> yeah. um, I had my my party was facing up against essentially the destroyer of universes kind of thing they had a connection to every single world and with that the power of the weave and everything was warped and changed and getting to the end of the fight you know obviously you can tell when a fight is winding down it's coming to the end i allowed my players to mess with the weave and kind of do what they wanted to and rather than following the I know that D&D rules aren't strict in and of themselves, but rather than just following the rules, I just kind of let them do what their character would do if they didn't have a limit to what their power was. And having a full party of casters, that essentially meant all of them casted Fireball at the same time <laughs> at one enemy. <laughs> fireball, uh, fireball is an interesting subject, at least with Fire, because... Our, our newest host, Bruh, he, uh, his character from an older campaign, that was his like, go-to spell. So it was... Mm-hmm. Fireball has a sensitive subject to me because I, I took a fireball straight to the face and almost died. <laughs> oh, awful. Yeah, it was, it was, it was an interesting time, to be honest. <laughs> to oh, be honest. Um, I've, I've never had a character die, ever. But then again, I've only been playing Dungeons & Dragons for a year now. I've DM'd for almost six years, but I've only been playing recently. Oh, so you started out as a DM? Yes, I did. Oh, that, that's interesting, because I started off as a player. So so that's actually pretty interesting. So, so when you start playing as a player, do, is it hard for you to like shut off the DM brain of yours? No. Um, and I, I think I'm going to be in the minority of the forever DMs that answer this question. Because I learned how to play D&D wrong. 
completely wrong. <laughs> okay. Um, I so I played a thirty-minute mini campaign with my friend's father, and then was like, "All right, y'all have fun." So I didn't know how to DM. I knew generally what, like, very basically what Dungeons and Dragons was. I had the player's handbook, and that was it. I did not read the player's handbook, but I was in theater. Okay. So I was just a storyteller that did not understand the dynamics and rules of D&D. So when I started playing D&D, I went, oh, oh, that's how that works. And I had no idea. It was a very humbling moment to start playing D&D because I didn't realize how uh, much you have to manage as a player. You have yeah. to manage a lot more as a DM, but you still have to manage a lot as a player. Absolutely. But that's so that's actually super interesting how because you actually never I, from my experience, you never really hear someone starting off as a DM. So I like that you kind of um went that route. And there's also like to me, um the DM's guide is more of a just what it says it's a guide. It's not like something I see this all over TikTok. I see this all over Twitter as well. And I believe in it wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly that you don't really need to read the DM's guide. There's certain stuff that you should read in the book, but it's more there to serve as a guideline, in my opinion. I I agree with that to an extent. I believe that if you have the DM's guide, read it. There's so much helpful stuff in there mm-hmm. that you can use in your campaigns. You can, you know, just take inspiration from. But what comes first, at least to me, is is everybody having a good time at your table? Does Absolutely. everybody understand what's going on at your table? And does everybody think what's going on at your table is fair? Because if you have those three things down, you could you could throw away the player's handbook. You could throw away the DM's guide, in my opinion. I completely agree with that. Um, so, bro, I have some other question. Uh, do you have mm-hmm. do you uh, do you have a spare do you have a, do you have spare NPC name list talents for when the group might go into a town you wouldn't expect or maybe talk to random villagers or do you make those up on the spot? I this is so you found my Achilles heel. Um, <laughs> I am awful with names. Um, I am absolutely terrible with names. I will pull up name generators in the middle of a campaign because I will think of the story, I'll think of the world, I'll think of the setting, and then I'll think of characters, but I won't give them names because I I think oh, I'll just give it to them later. And then the session starts and I go, Oh, I didn't have a name for them. Darn. But Oh, I had I was leading up to somewhere, up to something for that. I can't remember. <laughs> oh no, eighty eighty HDM. Awesome. No, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, uh, I'm the exact same way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember. Good. I used Marcus nine times in one campaign. <laughs> Mar- well, I feel. What? Was it? Good. Sorry. I feel like every DM has a go-to name that they like to use like it's that first name that pops into your head and you're like what should I name this character Marcus and I go no I allow myself one Marcus per campaign now and I haven't (laughs) used it in my current campaign yet that was it nine Marcuses in the same village uh close yes (laughs) uh the campaign that I was running was all in one city so it was a very in-depth big city so it was more like 
you know, it, it felt like a whole world kind of thing. But mm-hmm. there were there were nine Marcuses in one city. Yes, that's 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 pretty funny. <laughs> it, was, it was awful. <laughs> Give me one second. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, now with um, going from city to city, is there a time where you've gone on like? So, like, typically with D&Ds, you go from city to city or from city to um, dungeon. Have you ever done, like, a um, a straight-up, they go on a ship and they explore some islands, or is it something that you haven't done yet? Oh, you are talking to the right person. Oh, there we go. I um, love it. My, one of my first campaigns was a pirate campaign. Um, I ran a pirate campaign in high school for, I think a little over two years we met every friday and every saturday night and we it was a pirate themed campaign and it was wonderful Uh, i I think i still have the maps of it as well which i i love making maps but that was the campaign where i really found my dm style and found what i like and don't like as a dm yeah just because oh Hello, Louisiana. I'm sorry if you can hear rain happening. I, I cannot. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so but yeah. Please, please tell me the Kraken appeared. Oh, of course. Are you kidding me? That, that, yeah. that's, a, that's all I needed to hear. I, I'm, as Bro likes to like, like to say, I'm a I'm a massive pirate fan. I I love pirates. Um, I've always wanted to play in a pirate campaign, but I never got the ability to. So I, but I DM'd one for forever. So I will, I will take that L and run with that. I won't even say that's an L. That that to me is a W. <laughs> I, I I love pirates. I I could go. This podcast can become a pirate podcast for all I care. But I listen, <laughs> um, I, I listen to that one hundred percent. So what with your pirate campaign, which is lovely. I love you know, once again love pirates. What was like the and like what was the end goal for um that they've been doing for the last two years? So that is a so there was a political plot and then there was the overarching plot. Mm -hmm. Uh, the political plot was them trying to bring down a corrupt government. So imagine Robin Hood, a group of Robin Hoods, essentially. But the overarching plot was trying to defeat a necromancer from taking over the world. Uh, his name, his name was Narcopathy. He had lost his wife to the oceans 500 years ago and was trying to bring her back from the dead but the thing about it is she did not want to come back so he took his anger out on the rest of the world and the party's goal was to stop him by any means necessary i liked it a lot now okay so what exactly made you want to uh start going the route of playing the play like you started off as a DM. Was it just something you always been curious about? Being a player? Yes. Well, it was less so something that I was curious about and more so something that I didn't have a chance to do. Yeah, yeah. Because whenever I started playing D or when I started DMing D D, it was 
it was either I DM'd or it didn't, we didn't play. That okay. was, that was how it, that's just how the cookie crumbled for me. My friend group, nobody else wanted to DM. So I said, okay, I'll do it, I guess. Sure. Um, and I just kept DMing, but then I found my co-DM, uh, who DMs a campaign once a week for my roommates and I, and I was able to play finally. And it was just this eye-opening moment of, so this is what it's like. This is what it's like not having to build an entire world. Wow. And then I had anxiety over it for forever because I couldn't control anything. It was just I controlled my player and that's it. And they could die and I didn't get to choose when they died. Absolutely. <laughs> um, bro, actually got another. These are good questions, my bro. He's putting them to shame. Uh, how do you introduce the problem of problems of the story in the campaigns? Is it slowly introduced or is it shown right there and then? That... Um... That depends on the campaign and that depends on what I'm doing. So if we take my pirate campaign, for example, the I will either do so kind of like slowly introduced versus the thrown in your face. I will usually have the B plot if there is a B plot thrown in their face like that will be the reason why they're there and then the main plot will eventually show its face um eventually as the campaign goes on so my characters were introduced into the world of my pirate campaign my Mirian campaign with the idea that hey there's this corrupt government taking advantage of poor people we're gonna go defeat that and then through the political intrigue they found out that there was dead bodies going missing and people turning a blind eye to this and hushed tones talking in the background and through their choice through their curiosity they found out hey there's this big necromancer that is trying to take over the world as they're doing this so it really depends on the campaign and who i'm playing with and how i want to introduce it at the time that that's awesome that's um that's a good way to tackle it, in my opinion. Um, at least from my, I've only DM'd one campaign so far. Um, so awesome. what, I, what I've been doing was the first session they met the big bad guy, and they okay, met, they kind of met the kind of like the he's not the big bad, but he's also a problem. Uh, in the same, <laughs> the same session as well. So, and then the, the big bad, and then the side antagonist kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah, I, I I showed the problem immediately. I kind of ever since then, every what seems to be almost every other session, I'm kind of throwing it in their face. But I, I like the approach that you've done with that. Um, and then so with COVID being a big part in all of our lives, whether we like the old forever quarantine, it seems like mm-hmm. or, or not, uh. For me, it's played a role in my DD. It got me to actually do my research on it, become a better mm-hmm. player, better DM. What role did this forever quarantine kind of play in your DD campaigns or aspect? So I hate to say that COVID did me really well, but it gave me this unsupervised, un moderated uh time to just 
fully dive into my hobbies. So I was, you know, I have a whole stream room now in my house. I have, um, I 3d print minis. Now I have all of the books I have a, you know, and I had time to, again, as you said, do research and work on my hobbies and work on what I want to do. Um, and I was very lucky and I'm very mm. grateful for it that my roommates are my players. So I didn't have to stop playing. I just kept playing and played more, in fact, over COVID. Yeah. And it just it gave me this, this time to really flesh it out and also get on Twitch and get on TikTok and have the time to show other people my hobbies, uh, which is, you know, I, I'm, I'm really grateful for it. Yeah. And I, I mean, for me personally, I, I love going on TikTok and you always post really good uh, TikTok that I've started to like kind of implement to some of my campaigns. Like the Thank hero you so point, much. The hero points one, I know you stitched that, but <laughs> that, that whole video, like his and yours, tackled some really yeah. good stuff that I, I don't even know what hero points were. Yeah, I had never heard of it either. Jack, Jack awesome dude. Yeah, awesome follow, dude. Really knowledgeable. Well. He, he's very, like you said, very knowledgeable of the, of the game and the, how to do everything. So, with okay, bro, actually, okay, bro asks, how do you handle merchants? Are they special in their own way, or is it kind of dependent on the city around them that describes who they are? Okay, uh, that's actually a really interesting one for me. Because I will do basic merchants. So I'll have an adventurer shop. I'll have an apothecary. I'll have an armor, like an armor shop in every town. So if they're getting to a main city, they will have that chance to buy health potions. They'll have that chance to buy rations. They'll have that chance to upgrade their basic weapons if they have that. Mm -hmm. But in every town, I will also have a specific merchant or a specific vendor. Uh, that kind of does their own thing. So I'll have an Aarakocran woman that kind of can see the future and can give you scrolls of visage and uh, specific potions that let you stop time. Or I will have a warforged blacksmith that lives underneath the mountain just a little ways away from town that can give you plus one weapons and adamantine armor if you have the price or the resources to get the metal yourself. Um, so it really depends on what setting they're in, what town they're in. And generally I will come up with that on the spot. That sounds like Brunson. That sounds very interesting. Um, it's, uh, merchants for me is when they go to buy any kind of item, I pull out the DM guide, I roll D100, whatever lands on it, kind of say, is this too broken or is this kind of good enough? And I go from there. (laughs) Um, my best recommendation for you, uh, they have shop, uh, like randomizers that you can get online. Like they're just websites and you can type in what kind of shop you want and it will give you a list of stuff and the prices for the things as well. And it is super helpful. Um, you hear that Rishan, bro? You guys normally get overpowered magic items. Our party likes to only buy magic items. Yeah, they, they, They've got some pretty good stuff to the DMs guys. I'm like, I, I, I've never, I didn't know there was a shot randomizer, so I'm going to be using that. 
We exclusively go to magic shops. Yeah, my best recommendation, do some research on some non-magic stuff because there, there's some pretty cool stuff. So uh, a crowbar, for example, will give you advantage on strength checks when using it to like break open doors and pick lock, like not pick locks, but like break locks and move yeah. things. Um, you can use ball bearings to detect traps. You know, there are, there are so many cool things that you can get and they're cheap. And they're cheap and they're so helpful. Except yeah. for a telescope. Don't buy a telescope. <laughs> they're a thousand gold. <laughs> definitely, definitely gonna, you know, use a shot randomizer. So I've been looking for a way to stop. I, I think I'm almost out of items in the DM the DM's guide. Um, so definitely gonna be doing that. Um, so what we like to do here around because we're around five minutes after the podcast, we like to give you the opportunity. To plug anything you're working on, anything you have coming up, where we where they can find you, your Twitch, socials, anything. Yeah, uh, this, this so, is your time. So hi, I'm I'm John. Uh, my handle on everything on TikTok, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube um, is D and D monetized. Uh, so D N demonetized. Uh, currently, I run. Uh, two campaigns a week. My CoDM runs one on Monday nights. I run one on Friday nights. We generally start at about 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. Central. Uh, and if you want to ever come watch my stuff on TikTok, apparently people really enjoy that too. Uh, I'm trying to hit 2,000 followers and I think I'm going to be hitting that pretty soon. So I'm, I'm very excited and I'm, I'm happy to be here and thank you all for having me. No <laughs> thank you for coming. Uh, I've been looking at people to get on the podcast, and since you followed me back, I was like, and I like like your content. I was like, I gotta get D and D demonetized on here. Yeah, I, no, I, I'm, I'm again. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, uh, listen, we, we are super happy to have you here. So, thank you once again for coming on. Yeah, no problem. It's an honor to have you here. No, it is. It's not an honor. <laughs> I feel I feel like a trash can fire today. I got my COVID shot yesterday. <laughs> oh, I'm going for mine on Sunday, so I good. Good luck. <laughs> Trust me, I'm a, a little nervous, but you know, it, can't wait. Yeah, no. But thank you for coming once again, and uh, this will be airing today is Wednesday. It should be out no later than Friday. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you again. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. Yeah, <laughs>